Today is the 10th of November 2020. And uh, you can contemplate and see that the days and nights are steadily passing away and falling away. And so the Buddha asked us, what are we doing right now? We see in the morning that the sun rises and it shines a bright, radiant light on the world. There was a time when the Buddha, one of his previous lives as a bodhisattva, got born as a peacock. When the sun would rise, he would praise the virtues, the goodness of all of the Buddhas, every that had come before, and would uh, determine uh, the goodness of that and to keep him safe throughout the day. And then at sunset, he did the same as well, praised the goodness of all of the Buddhas. So it shows that even though he was born as a peacock in that life, um, he was able to recollect uh, the goodness of the Buddhas. So it shows that he trained his mind very well by that point. He had this element of knowing, um, the element of awakening, had already developed in his heart. So he could recollect the Buddhas. So for us, when we practice, uh, we do so to train, to um, contemplate and see all things in line with their truth, that they are conventions. And since birth, uh, we may have thought about it or may not. They do teach it at school that, in truth, the sun doesn't actually rise or set. It's just that the world spins on its axis. But even though we understand that, we still haven't seen the Dhamma. When we do gain a very deep, uh, profound understanding, um, then we'll see uh, the truth of this matter. Understand that if the sun didn't rise, then there would just be darkness. Life would be very difficult on this planet because uh, the whole world depends upon the energy and the heat that the sun provides us. If there wasn't that heat, there was just uh, cold, then everything that has life would find it very difficult to survive. So if we see things in line with the Dhamma, then we'll understand that uh, it's really that the world just spins on its axis. It's not that the sun rises. As it spins, um, it provides the different uh, times of day to various countries. And then at sunset, um, really the sun doesn't set. That's just how we speak in terms of convention. But it's more that the world itself spins. So when we can maintain the state of emptiness within our hearts, then we'll understand these things. Whatever we see, we'll see it as being conventions. 
the, the heart will always be imbued with wisdom. Whatever feelings arise, whatever sensations are apparent, um, our wisdom will tell us that these things aren't real, they're just conventions. So the beginning, we gain some understanding of this, and as we practice, it becomes clearer. When Lumpur Cha went to England, um, he said he wasn't so, or wasn't excited about all of the material developments that he saw there. He said that the Buddha was always with him throughout his travels, in that he saw all the things around him as being conventions. And that was in the year 1977. It was 43 years ago now. So he had this very clear knowledge, this bright wisdom, that allowed him to perceive the conventional nature of everything. So the disposition or the nature of our hearts is that when they come into contact with a sensation, and they grasp at it, they believe in its, uh, or they believe it as being something real, not as a convention. And this is a cause for us to suffer. And the stress arises instantly in the hearts. But when the mind is imbued with the wisdom, then we'll be able to see the nature of all things as being empty. And in doing that, the heart reaches emptiness. This emptiness from a self, from a being, an animal, a me or a them. And in doing this, we see the Dhamma. So the studying of dependent origination happens within our own hearts, that we have mindfulness in our minds. And when we look directly at the mind, then we'll see that whenever it attaches to anything, that becomes a cause for us to feel stress and suffering. And if we abandon that cause, then suffering doesn't appear. So we train ourselves, we put our effort into this practice for our minds to settle into peace. But we also have a sense of enoughness, of what's just right in the practice. As we practice, we need to let go as well. Because if we just practice through desire, then it'll turn into a bit of a mess. It'll be very frantic and confused. And when we don't get what we want, then that increases the suffering that we already have. <laughs> suffering just becomes overlaid with more suffering. So we feel the stress and we practice to gain freedom from it. But if we do that through desire, then we just heap up the suffering. But if we don't practice at all, then we'll never be able to find the way out of suffering either. So as we go along, we need to know what's just right. It's important not to get averse towards ourselves or have ill will towards ourselves. We need to be able to forgive ourselves for our mistakes. And we try put our efforts into training these minds as well. Because uh, in their current state, they are overpowered by ignorance. And we could say that the kilesas, 
uh, the world champs. So if we try to fight them for just one day or even one year, it will be really difficult to defeat them. And for those who can do it in that space of time, it shows that they have a great amount of barami. If we can't defeat them just yet, then we have to endure. We have to put forth our effort. And we don't stop. And the Krubhajans, they tell us that if we maintain our efforts, if we have energy in this practice, then it won't be a long time. We'll need to experience peace within our hearts. Our minds will need to gather into samadhi. And then from that state, when we contemplate, we'll be able to see more and more clearly. But in the beginning, everything is difficult. So the seeking out and trying to find peace of mind um, is something that we're all trying to do. The ascetic practices can aid in this, and during the cold season, um, it's standard for the monks to take up some of these practices. Um, the one that a lot of monks took up at Wat Nambapong uh, during the cold season, when the rain stopped, uh, was the practice of staying at the foot of a tree, the Rukumula practice. So I'd put my glot, my umbrella tent, um, under a tree and would meditate there. In the day, I'd go back to my kuti, my hut, but at night, I would go sleep under the tree. And so the mind is awake um, because it's staying close to nature. And you gain a clarity over what nature is about. And many, many new thoughts um, come into our mind many different ways of considering things. And just by staying on the ground in, in an umbrella tent, you think that um, really these things around me, they're not mine. I'm sleeping on the earth, but this body is also made of earth. All the food that I eat, the vegetables, the fruits, they all come from earth and they come up to, or come together to form this body. And in the end, this body will decay and turn back into the earth, just like what I'm sleeping on. So it can be really easy to contemplate when we're close to nature. And it raises the level of our sati, our mindfulness as well. But for the lay people, you can just find a quiet corner of your house and train your hearts there. Find a place that is physically peaceful in order to develop peace of heart. We need also to keep a, an object, a meditation object with us. We can use the contemplation of emptiness um, as this object. And for some people, when they contemplate in this way, then the hearts feel really comfortable and at ease. You separate out the elements, see that they're not self, see that they're all empty. And for Westerners, this can be a very suitable practice because the heart is often inclined towards wisdom. And if we're a wisdom type, then we should use that wisdom to contemplate. And this will bring our minds um, to peace, settle them down so they come into samadhi. 
For some people, however, they don't like to think so much. So instead, they do a lot of chanting, and they feel very at ease through that. Um, there isn't much thought that go on in their minds, and so they can keep their hearts with this chanting. And just being aware of the chant of Itipi So, go through this 108 times and do it many, many rounds. Or recite the meditation words, Buddha, Dhamma, Sanko, or just Buddha. Whatever we're doing, whether it's standing, walking, sitting, lying down, we keep Buddha there with our hearts, and we feel very confident in this practice, always reciting a meditation word. And we know that when the mind is reciting Buddha, then we're cultivating a lot of merit. If we want peace, then we just stay with that one word. And if it works, then we do it. Whenever we are engaged in our occupation, um, then we keep this word with us. And the work of a monk is meditation itself. So whatever we're doing, whether whatever posture we're in, um, we keep a meditation with us, reciting Buddha all the time. And the mind through this becomes very still and very bright. And then when there's peace, um, then we can use that to contemplate. But for some people, they may get bored just staying with one word. Their minds like to think a lot. And maybe they um, think that if we just stay with Buddha, then there's no wisdom in our minds. So for them, they do a lot of contemplation. And through this, joy arises. The mind becomes very bright and uh, delighted. It feels very at ease and calm. We can consider that this life is not sure, but death is sure. And our hearts come to peace through this. Or we can contemplate to see all things as being empty. And this practice is taking Nibbāna as the focal point of our minds. We can sit and listen to the sound of silence. <clears throat> and this is the practice of contemplating emptiness, of being with emptiness. And there's peace at this time. The mind isn't proliferating. So this is a, an effective meditation object to use. So when we have mindfulness over the sound of silence, um, then we're using that sound as our meditation object. We're using emptiness as a meditation object. The mind becomes very still and calm, settled through this. And then it gains wisdom. The wisdom that uh, allows us to know and to see the truth. So when samadhi comes together and becomes firm, then wisdom arises and we understand the truth through this. We see all sankharas, conditioned phenomena, arise and cease, arise and cease. And we perceive them as being very fearsome. Just like someone who's trapped in a house that's on fire, they'll desperately try to find a way out of that house. So when we see all sankharas as decaying, as deteriorating, 
or feel like we just can't stay there. We need to find a path out. We see the danger of these things. So what we then need to do is to perceive all of it as being conventions. So when we meditate or when we listen to the Dhamma, um, then we can come to this understanding. So we listen to the Dhamma and our minds are already focused on what we're hearing. And through that we may be able to attain to the Dhamma. And that's possible. Many people have done it. Some people, however, don't much like to listen to teachings like this. So instead, they should contemplate a lot about the things that they chant. And then understanding that they have will grow gradually, little by little, more and more clear. So the contemplation of Dhamma gives rise to wisdom. Um, And what practice we use, what method we use, it depends on what we've done in the past and on our temperament as well. Some people like to read the suttas. Um, And then when the hearts are in a calm state, then they can bring up what they've read. And they'll begin to see the Dharma clearly. The wisdom can arise through this. So wisdom can come from uh, chanting the Dhamma, or from listening to the Dhamma, or even from giving a Dhamma talk. And the heart feels uh, a profound sense of appreciation and inspiration in these teachings of truth. And the mind can really gather together when it's listening uh, to them. So there's great benefits that comes from hearing Dhamma talks. It can become the cause for wisdom to arise. So we should practice, we should train our minds to see everything as being empty. So just as Cha taught that some people are rice farmers and some people tend to fruit orchards, And um, many different people have different occupations, but the purpose of all of them is to gain wealth so that they can live and live at ease. And it depends on what we are skilled at. So all of these methods, they all come together in the path of sila, samadhi, banya, of virtue, samadhi, and wisdom. So we don't need to doubt about them. We just walk. Some people like to contemplate, um, so they use that contemplation. They think that those who develop a lot of samadhi, they don't have much wisdom. Um, But some people, their minds can settle into peace quite easily and gather together. And they see people who are walking the path of wisdom and see that they're just thinking, that their minds are unsettled. But when we realize the Dhamma, then we'll understand that that realization depended upon peace and on contemplation as well. So we contemplate steadily, gradually, and when our minds gather together, then we will see into the truth. Some people don't like to contemplate a lot, so they should use the meditation word, a buddha, a lot. Their minds can come into stillness through this. 
And then when they get around to contemplating, it won't be a long time for them to understand the truth. So all of us need a goal in the practice. We need something that we're heading towards. And especially for monks, we take our end point, our goal, as the highest possible, which is Nibbāna, seeing the Dhamma. But at the same time, we also need to develop or build up parami as well. So we help out with the work of the monastery. And we do this in order to sacrifice. At the same time, we have our intention to be training our minds so that we can um, attain to the goal that we've set. So that we can see conventions in line with their truth. We're determined to do that, maybe in this lifetime, maybe within this year, because we know that these things, they're not above what we're capable of. They're not outside of what we can attain through our efforts. So all of us should set our hearts on this, to really try to train ourselves, because what we have right now in this life is an extremely good opportunity. So whatever we do, whether we're practicing, whether we're at work, we um, keep our awareness with us, contemplating into the Dhamma all the time. There was one disciple of the Buddha uh, who before was an acrobat, um, but when he became a, a disciple of the Buddha, then he attained to the Dhamma. Before this, however, he didn't have much wisdom. He was born into a very wealthy family, uh, but he took a liking to the daughter of an actor, so he decided to run away with her. But because uh, he had never done any work before, then um, he couldn't really help out with very much. And then they had a child, and uh, he needed to look after uh, this child as well. And so um, his wife went to act, and uh, this was her profession. But there was one time that the husband um, went to the bathroom, and he heard uh, his wife um, talk about him behind his back, saying that he's only as good as someone who guards wagons. He was really affected by this. It went right to his heart um, that even though he was the child, was born into a lot of wealth, he had someone like this looking down on him, disparaging him. So this brought up his energy. Even though he was lazy before, he became very enthusiastic. And so he started to train himself in acting. And eventually he became a very famous actor and acrobat. He was able to uh, he was very skilled in somersaults. Eventually, his barami ripened, and he could listen to the teachings of the Buddha and attain to arahantship. 
and then he was able to levitate as well and fly. So this shows that the Bharami that he had developed was great. So for all of the monks here, we should understand that uh, what this means is that we're able to develop ourselves, and just like this actor was, um, that he could develop his career, and this uh, arose through the efforts that he put in. Also understand that, that we're able to come and ordain shows that we've got a lot of barami to us. So we should see that whatever we set our sights on, whatever we are determined to do, then we're able to succeed in that. So if we set our hearts on keeping the schedule and uh, keeping the various duties that we have as monks, then we will be able to do that. We can fight against the laziness that we have. If we want peace, then through our efforts we'll be able to gain peace. Whatever we set our sights on, we'll be able to do. If we want to stay with Buddha, Dhammo, Sangha throughout the day, or we're trying to contemplate into inconstancy, seeing this life as something that's decaying, so it brings up heedfulness in our hearts, and then we'll be able to do that. So we need to have a hope in our practice. We need to have sincerity. And through this, then we can gain peace and wisdom. So we should have a goal. And also, we should realize that this is a very fortunate opportunity that we have right now. Because the Krubhajan, this great teacher, is still here. If there's anything, any difficulties that come up in the practice, any obstacles, something we get stuck on, then we're able to ask and find a way through that. And this is actually really important. Because when the teacher passes away, all that will be left is the books. And then we may doubt whether it's actually true or not. But if we have a lot of faith in that teacher, then through reading their teachings, we can also attain to the Dhamma. So may all of you, whether monks or lay people, uh, be sincere in this practice. And may all of you find peace and realize the Dhamma. <laughs>